Be great. I do that all the time. I pull the top of this thing off. Hi, everybody. Don't mind me as I get my stand straight here. I am so glad you're here. Are you glad to be here? God is so good, and uh, I just love His presence and love when He comes, and He is putting things together and speaking to our hearts and challenging us and encouraging us and loving us. It's good to be here. I want to echo what... Barry said, if you are visiting with us today, thank you for coming. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us on this beautiful fall day and continue to pray for our farmers that they get all the crops in. You know that I'm pastoring farmers when I regularly, daily pray for those guys, and um, I, I just appreciate what they do. That is a faith walk, isn't it? Yes. You know, you can have all the technology you want, but you can't make it rain and you can't make it get dry, um, and so... Just thank God for those guys and continue to pray that that all comes in. And I'm so glad you're here. God bless you guys. Let's, uh, let's pray and we're going to get right into this today. Jesus, we love you. Lord, again, thank you for your grace and your mercy, your presence. Lord, we ask that you would uh, illuminate the word of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that one of the things that Jesus said about you, it says that you would testify to the truth that you would make the truth clear to our hearts. Pray that you would awaken our hearts, that you would speak to our hearts today. And Lord, as we look into your word and we, and, and we just see what you are saying to us, I pray that we would receive, that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can see, the, the title of today's message is Above and Beyond Courage and Obedience. Um, it's interesting that Jerry had that word and, uh, uh, you know, just about taking that courageous step and obeying the Lord. And Lowell came up to me with Joshua 1.9, be courageous. Uh, have I not told you be strong and courageous? It's interesting in that text how many times God tells Joshua that. Uh, uh, so it tells me that he's dealing with not feeling so brave and courageous. And God has to keep reminding him, be strong. Have I not told you be strong and courageous? And we've been talking about in this series about going above and beyond as followers of Jesus that, you know, we're not called just to barely survive and, you know, just barely hang on until Jesus comes back. We are called to thrive. We are called to advance the kingdom. We are called to move and, and advance the kingdom of God, to build the kingdom as Jesus commanded us to do, and to come alongside him as, as his co-heirs, as partners with Jesus in building his kingdom. And so we are called to go above and beyond the call of duty. We are called to do exploits for the kingdom. And I want to, uh, in a few weeks... I want to bring your attention to uh, the tear-off. On the other side of the tear-off, the, the, the one part is about uh, you know, your name and address and phone number, but the other part is for you for today. Um, 
In upcoming messages, uh, my lovely wife and myself will be, uh, we're going to be fielding questions relating to going above and beyond in our marriage and our families. And so we're actually going to do some co-teaching up here. We've done that before, and uh, I just love having her uh, up here and sharing the word with you. Um, but as you see, there's no questions that are off limits. I mean that. Um, not that we will get to every question, but we're going to look for common threads and common themes. Questions can relate to relationships, love, sex, parenting, and similar topics like that. So write your question down, turn it into the office, uh, drop it somewhere back there, put it in the office. You don't have to put your name unless you just want to, um, but they can be anonymous questions about this, th these topics. And you might wonder, well, why would you talk about that, th this, this stuff in church? I'm thinking, what better place to talk about this stuff than church? The church needs to be talking about it. The, the church needs to be engaging culture and, 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 and what the Bible says. The Bible has a lot to say about love, relationships, and sexuality. And, and uh, our, our, our young people, not just our young people, but we're getting a steady diet in the media of, of what the, how the world defines it. And it's not good not good at all. And, and our kids are learning things, uh, all kinds of things that we would blush at. And, uh, and, and the Bible has a lot to say about this stuff. So I encourage you, write your question down about, um, uh, it can be love, sex, relationships, family, children, um, you name it. Write your question down, turn that in to us. And we'll be glad here in a few weeks to uh, field some of those questions. I'm looking forward to that. So that's my commercial for a few weeks from now. But you know, we are called to go above and beyond. And, and, and again, as I prayed earlier, it's not about us. It's not about us looking good. It's not about us, um, you know, people paying attention to us in our exploits. Um, I think about what Paul said, and I, I, I did this passage a few weeks ago, but it says this, that, that, that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask. But it, the beginning of that passage is, to him be the glory. To him who is exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above, can do all of that stuff above what we could ask or think, to him be the glory. And so as we think about going above and beyond, it is to him be all the glory forever and ever. And I think as long as we have that mentality to point people to Jesus, to have that ministry of John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. And Jesus said this of John the Baptist, there was no greater prophet than John. And John did exploits, but he was all about pointing people to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. I want people to see him and not me. We are called to live victoriously, courageously, as overcomers and more than conquerors. These are promises from Scripture. I want this to be normal living for myself and for this church, for my family. And this doesn't mean that... that, that when we're living for the Lord and we're building His kingdom, that hard times won't come. They will come. In this world, we will have trouble. It is how we approach those, those times. It is how we approach those seasons. It's, it's finding God and grabbing a hold of God in the midst of those times and those seasons. And so we've been talking about how to live uh, that, that above and beyond life. Week one, I talked about surrender, that we are called to live complete and unconditional surrender to Jesus. A relationship with Jesus will only be understood in a place of complete and unconditional surrender. I'm convinced of that. 
people that don't quite understand what this whole Christianity thing is, I tell you, when they make the plunge to complete and total surrender to God, it begins to make sense. Because Jesus created us to live, to be all in for him. He said this, if you want to be my followers, you have to lay aside your selfish ambition and take up your cross and follow me. He meant that we were to be all in. And so that place of complete surrender, to count the cost. Week two, I talked about trust. And all of these hinge on each other and they, they, they kind of form a tapestry um, to, to together and, and you, will get, you will get things out of each week that kind of are tied into the following week. But week two was trust and trust means this fully relying on the integrity, strength and ability of something or someone. Full, full reliance. It is, it is hoping in spite of circumstances. It's saying I may not even get it. I may not understand the season I am, I, I'm in, but I fully, fully trust and I rely on you. And we are called in that place to walk with Jesus in full and complete trust. And I talked about the Genesis 50-20 principle that Joseph, you know, that went through all of these things, had the dreams at 17, and then, you know, and we've talked about it, that he was, he was turned on by his brothers. They were sold into slavery. He was, was a man of integrity and, and, as a slave. And then he was falsely accused and sent to prison. And, and then he was forgotten. And we can say, God, what were you doing in the midst of that? And Joseph gets to the end. He sees his brothers and, as he takes that place of rulership. And he said, you guys meant it for evil. God meant all of it for good. And the way we can look back and we can see even in those difficult seasons and say God meant it all for good, that is a place of complete trust. Do we trust God? Is God really in control? Is he really sovereign? Steve then preached, uh, part of his topic was being right with God and with people. Walking in relationships. Life is all about relationships. Are you right with God? Are you right with others? Last week, Barry talked about taking on the yoke of Christ and, and Jesus saying, learn from me for I am humble. I'm lowly of heart. And he talked about how we can put on these facades in the church and put on masks and make everybody think that we're doing good and we come and we put the big smile and underneath we're, we're broken and we're hurting. And it's time to say, I'm broken, I'm hurting and I need God. Will you come alongside me? But going above and beyond is being real with God and with people transparent and vulnerable. This week, I want to talk about courage and obedience, specifically from the story of Gideon from Judges chapter 6. This week and next week, I'm not going to do it all today, but this week and next week, we're going to be in portions of Judges 6, 7, and 8. But we're going to be looking at life lessons of courage and obedience from the life of Gideon. A few weeks ago, I started reading the story again, and, and, and the book of Judges is very interesting, and um, they, the, the book of Judges spends more time on Gideon than any other judge, even more than Samson, who probably is a little more famous. But in this story, you're going to see a lot of things unfolding. I love the Word of God. I love that uh, reading about people that are in the Word of God, the heroes of the faith that we call them, but you know what? They were real people with real issues and real struggles. I think some of them would just be a little bit embarrassed if we were, you know, to, you know, put them up on the, this platform that we have them. Oh, Moses, you're a great guy. Moses would be like, man, you, are you kidding me? 
I, I, I was shocked that God even chose me. And Gideon is one of those guys, a guy with real issues, real struggles, and we see this throughout the Word, word of God, people of triumphs and defeats, ups and downs, fears and failures. And if we look beyond just the person, we'll see a lot of ourselves in the Word of God, too, amongst these people. And that's why I think that God gave us these people. You know, God could have just taken the Word of God, and the Word of God could have just been, you know, truths and principles. And we could have, and it would have been powerful, just truths and principles, but to live your life. But isn't it interesting that God in His sovereignty gives us these broken down, vulnerable transparent, mistake-making people to, for us to look and have a glimpse into their lives and say, oh, so he was a lot like me. We look at the disciples. None of us would have chosen them. These guys were a mess in a lot of ways. I think maybe I could have been a disciple then. But let me give you a little backdrop on, on the book of Judges. Judges reveals the ups and downs of Israel, the ups and downs of man. This was the time before kings ruled in Israel. And you would see the people in this kind of pattern that unfolds in the book of Judges. Of course, you see it in, when, when the kings come along too. But Israel would disobey God. They would, they would get into idolatry. They would get out from underneath God's protection and His authority. They would live life however they wanted to live, and then God would basically give them what they wanted. Right? You're out from underneath me. You don't want to do it like I'm calling you to do it. You don't want to live life like I'm saying. Therefore, you will get the consequences of that, and the enemies of Israel would take them over. And you would see great oppression. You would see a lot of hardship and a lot of pain. Then they would cry out to God. He would appoint a judge to rescue them. It's interesting that they would get to the just kind of the bottom of the barrel. Do you know people that like that? You're just praying sometimes that they just get to the bottom of the barrel. And the Israelites would get to the bottom of the barrel. They would cry out to God. God would hear their cries and he would appoint a judge. The judge would come in, rescue them, and kind of oversee them. You know, this again, he wasn't a king, but he was kind of a ruler over the people. And they would have a relative time of peace. Then the judge would die, and then the pattern would begin again. And they would go back into stepping out from underneath God's authority, doing things their own way, going into idolatry. We don't need God anymore. Captivity, suffering, pain, judge, peace, it over and over and over. It was a cycle. And again, if you read the Kings, it, was, it didn't get much better. Isn't it heartbreaking to read the kings of Israel and Judah? I mean, most of the kings were evil. And that just, it, it doesn't it trouble your spirit when you're reading it. Some of them would start good, and they would worship God and love God, and they would get towards the end, and that's that whole thing of finishing well. I want to finish well. And pride would get in there, or something else would get in there to cause them to turn from God. And it just, it just breaks your heart that this cycle was so continual in Israel's history. And it's not just Israel. It should be a, a siren to us. It should be an alarm to us to say, watch how you live. Guard your heart. 
So we're going to look at this this passage where Gideon becomes the judge of Israel. Interestingly enough, one of the most, it's a key passage, which almost breaks your heart that it's a key passage, but it's a tragic passage as well from the book of Judges. It's the very last verse in the book of Judges. And it basically shines a light on why the children of Israel got into this cycle. It kind of puts a light on sinfulness like in a, in a broad spectrum. If you want to boil it down to this, if you want to, you want to read a passage that says, God, help me to stay from that and to stay in relationship with you, it says this, in those days Israel had no king and the people did what was right in their own eyes. We could probably do, a, I could probably do a four-week series on that alone. We could stop right there, we could do a message, I'm not going to, but I think we need to, we need to listen to that word, that the people did what was right in their own eyes. I don't need God, I'm going to make my own decisions, I'm going to push God off the side, I'm going to live my life how I'm going to live my life, I'm the one in control. And that is the tragedy of the book of Judges, the people that didn't finish well, it's the tragedy of the cycles of Israel. And it doesn't have to become our cycle. And they were saying, I don't want God's way, I want my own way. I don't want God's kingdom, I want my own kingdom. And we need to guard ourselves. In Joshua chapter 2, there's an explanation of the cycle. And you can read that at your, at your own time, but it, it kind of explains that God would appoint a, a, you know, a judge to rule and, and just the cycle that I gave you, and there's this explanation of what would happen. The people would turn from God and God would hand them over to their, their enemies, basically give them what they want, and they would go into captivity and that cycle would go over and over. But do we live that kind of life that we say, that we say I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. Out from underneath God's covering. Out from underneath God's authority. And that's why daily surrender and trust are so important. We need to wake up every day and say, God, I desperately need you today. That's why when we think about having a quiet time and getting in the Word and allowing Him to speak to us, it's just humbling ourselves every day saying, I need you. But the sweetness that we have with God in relationship with Him is that he gives us his presence and he reveals his love to us. So it's not just a, you know, Lord, I'm going to try my hardest not to mess up bad today. But it's Lord Jesus, I love you. I need to walk with you. Without you, I am a mess. And I need, to, I need your strength today. And, he's a, and that touches his heart. So that's why that place of trust, surrender, trust, surrender, day in, day out. I, I don't want to just do like the Israelites and, and cry out when things are just horrible and I'm at the bottom of the barrel and I've been doing my own thing and living my own way and, and you know, doing what's right in my own eyes and then you get to the, the end of the, the barrel, then you cry out. Don't wait for those times to cry out to God. Cry out to Him today. As the, the, the writer uh, in the New Testament says that today is the day of salvation. Cry out to Him daily. I need you every moment of every day. So we're going to look at this text today in the book of Judges. We're going to look at this text and, and some lessons 
some lessons from the life of Gideon this week and next week. I'm going to read the text, and uh, then we'll, we'll kind of go point by point in these lessons here. I want you to hear what's going on and, and what is happening, and, and, uh, and, and it's just you'll see yourself in this, and, and like I do, and, and, and just cry out to God to, to, to love him more and more. Gideon chap, um, Judges chapter 6, this is about Gideon, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, in the caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on, on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Here's the cycle. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in those land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at, at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. All right, so we're going to look at some lessons there. The first is from verses 1 through 6. The people are out from underneath God's authority and covering. They are in the control of a powerful and impressive enemy for seven years. This is not good for them. And you hear the story. They are weakened. The, uh, the Midianites, Amalekites come and they steal their crops. They kill their livestock. And they have been under this oppression for seven years. They're beaten down. They're hungry. They're weak. And they're fearful. And lesson one is this. Live under God's authority. Live under God's authority. You want to go above and beyond, live under God's authority. And here's a question. Are you living under God's authority? Are you surrendered to Christ and His ways? Or are you calling the shots? Look at your life. Examine. Do an inventory. And I'm not talking about a place of shame and condemnation. 
To those who are in Christ, there is no shame and condemnation. But I'm talking about allowing the Holy Spirit to take an honest inventory of your life. Because when we get out from underneath God's covering and His authority, it is not a good place for us to be. The way He has set it up. The way He does it. Now, I understand that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And I'm not really talking about that, but we must do what we know to do. We must live under the covering and the authority of Christ. Make sure that your hardships are for the right reason, because we will go through hardships. We will go go through hard times. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's the way, why we have to do that inventory of, of God is, is the season that I'm in. Am I out from underneath your covering? Because I've been living maybe independent, maybe I've been calling the shots. Or your set way of doing things, am I out from underneath that? Because folks, just because we're believers doesn't mean that we cannot venture out from underneath God's covering and His authority. We need to live daily under his covering we need to ask him and i encourage you to ask him do that inventory god is there anything in my life that isn't underneath your authority bring it to my heart bring it to my attention let me make it right with you because i want to place myself under your sovereign grace and under your sovereign authority so lesson one live under god's authority Then we drop down to verses 7 through 10. It's the explanation by the prophet that why they're in the predicament that they are in. And God says, you know, I rescued you and I told you not to worship false gods, not to get into idolatry. But you didn't listen. Now we can think that idol worship is just you know, back in the day that, you know, they would make something, and you know, some sort of image and that they would all fall down and worship before it. And we might think, well, You know, idolatry really doesn't exist today as much. Idolatry does exist. In a couple weeks, I'm going to really be talking about idolatry in in the way that that the Bible describes. And and, and sometimes it's not like the Israelites did, but we, you know what, especially if we are calling the shots, we can make ourselves an idol. If we're doing things our own way and we're doing it what is right in our own eyes, even if it's spiritual, Even if it's seemingly a good thing, we can be calling the shots and God is saying, I have not told you to do that. And the prophet is saying, you know what? God has spoken. He said, stay away from idolatry. Stay away from false gods. But you did not listen. You didn't listen. There was warning, but you didn't listen. So lesson number two is listen to God and obey his word. Listen to God and obey His Word. To go above and beyond, we need to listen to Him. What is He saying to you? Is there something that you need to make right with Him? Is there an area where you know that he wa- something that He wants you to do, but you are afraid to do it? It's the word that Jerry gave today. Because a lot of times we look at courage By the way, if you haven't seen Courageous, see it. It's a great movie. A lot of times we think of courage as these gigantic feats 
that are amazing that people just, you know, gasp and they go, oh my goodness, look at that feat of courage. But you know what? Just the small places of obedience to the Lord are courageous. Going up to someone and say, will you forgive me? You know, that's, a, that's an act of courage. Going up to someone and saying, I am sorry, that is an act of courage because it's so hard for us to do that. Or maybe you, we're going to be talking about marriage in a few weeks, but you know, maybe you have a hard time expressing your emotions to your spouse and it may be time to get over that and say, I just want you to know I love you. And so for some people, they'd rather, they'd rather go parachuting than, 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 than to do that. Go rock climbing, man. If I uh, share my emotions, man, where's a mountain at? I'll climb that instead. But small acts of obedience are courageous. What is the Lord? Is there an area of, of your life that he's putting his finger on? And he'll do it out of love. He'll bring it to your heart out of love. But he wants freedom for you. Because this story of Gideon, it's about to unfold, and we see, see this kind of, this unfolding of the story, and it's, and it's, it's going to take a lot of obedience and a lot of courage to do what God has told him to do. So lesson one, live under God's authority. Lesson two, listen to God and obey his word. Then verses 11, 12, we have the angel of the Lord's call to Gideon. I love this exchange because I see a lot of myself there. The angel comes to Gideon in a place, he is in a place of fear. Did you hear the story? If you didn't, you may have missed it. They're hiding out. The, the Amalekites, the Midianites would come and steal their grain, kill their, their livestock. And so we have Gideon down in the wine cellar threshing wheat. If you're wondering why that's significant, that's a, not a normal place where you would thresh wheat. The normal place was they would have up on top of the buildings so the wind would come, they would, they, would, they would hit the wheat on these threshing machines or whatever they had at the time. You can tell I'm real technical, right? Um, but the wind would blow away the chaff and they would keep the grain. And so you would do it up on top where people could see you up there. But because of fear, because of the oppression of the enemy, Gideon is down in the cellar. So the angel finds him in a place of fear. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been a place of fear? And here's what the angel says to him. He finds him. He's afraid. He's fearful. They're vastly outnumbered with their, their, their armies. We're going to get into that next week. And, um, you know, Israel's been underneath this oppression for seven years. They're hungry. They're, they're beaten down. They're fearful. They're weak. And Gideon's down in that wine cellar threshing that wheat. And the, the angel of the Lord comes up to him and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior, you mighty man of war. And you could almost feel the pause of Gideon down there threshing wheat and you know, just wondering if anybody's watching. You know, making sure, you know, we got to get this wheat together and put it in bags, hurry before they find us and... And the angel says, you mighty man of war. Lesson three, start seeing yourself how God sees you. 
in Christ, start seeing yourself how God sees you. Are you a person of fear, maybe of doubt, worry warts? Maybe you live, instead of above your struggles, you live underneath your struggles. Maybe people have labeled you. Maybe you heard things as a child that no child should ever hear, that you won't amount to anything. Maybe you had verbal abuse. Maybe things were spoken over your life and you tended to believe them. Maybe you just deal with low self-esteem and you just kind of believe that you're not really much. You're a nobody. You're not valuable. Maybe shame has become the umbrella in which you live under condemnation. Well, the Lord wants to come to you in a place of that fear, the shame and condemnation, just like he came to Gideon in a place of fear. And you need to hear the words, you are a son, you are a daughter of God. You are a child of the king. You are a warrior in Christ. You need to believe who you are in Christ. You need to believe what the word says about you, that you are in Christ. That you are an overcomer because he is an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror because he is the great conqueror. You don't have to live in shame and guilt and condemnation because he's removed that through his sacrifice. Start seeing yourself how God sees you in Christ. That's exciting. That's good news. Then I love Gideon's response. Here, here's, here's a lot of us. I mean, an angel comes up to him. Not that that wouldn't freak all of us out right there. And angels weren't little naked babies either. They were powerful, like flaming sword-wielding people. They looked, I mean, they were just awesome. Not even people, but just nine, ten feet tall. And this angel comes up and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And you'd think Gideon would just hit his knees and go, Whatever you say, boss. But here's how much the oppression and the fear have ruled him. He doesn't freak out. Sir, he calls him sir, which I'm glad about that, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where's all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over the Midianites? You see this almost rehearsed. I mean, he's down there. He's, he's threshing wheat in fear, and the angel calls him out, and he just begins to make excuses. His response is discouragement. If the Lord's with us, if this is true, then why? Have you ever been there? If God is true, then why is this happening? Why is this happening? Where are all the promises? Where are all the things that I was told about? Lesson four, to live a life that goes above and beyond with Jesus, we have to fight through discouragement. We have to fight through discouragement. Again, there will be times and seasons. There will be those hard times that Jesus talked about. In this world, you will have trouble. But it's what we do with them. It's what is our attitude going to be when we go through one of those seasons. And sometimes those seasons are where you just have a bad day or a week or a month or is this season ever going to end? 
And the tendency for the enemy is to, to make you live in discouragement. And you can even be encouraged. You can be praying and God will speak to your heart and you'll be reading the word and something will jump off at the page and, and, and it is just, you know it's right, but then, Lord, if that's true, then why is all of this happening? And you can see Gideon just living in the place of discouragement. We have to change our attitudes in the midst of discouragement. And I love that the angel does not even answer his question. You know, Gideon says, all right, if, 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 if you are with us, then why all this? And, and, and the angel of the Lord does not answer because the prophet had already spoken about why they were in the situation that they were in. They were in the current situation because of idolatry. They were in the current situation because they chose to live how they wanted to live. God's not in the driver's seat anymore. I'm not surrendered to God. I, I will live life by my own way. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. Again, make sure your hardships are for the right reasons. That's why we have to do that examination and ha asking God like David did, search my heart, O God, see if there be any wicked way in me. And so the angel doesn't give Gideon this explanation, say, well, son, let me talk to you, and I know you're feeling a little bad, but let me just, let me just walk with you through it. God doesn't do that. Because he is sovereign, and being sovereign, he owes us no explanation. The prophet had already spoken. You guys were doing what was right in your own eyes, so don't be surprised when you're under oppression. But the faithfulness of God is he heard them cry out to him, and they cried out with sincere hearts. And so the time of rescue was coming. Do we really believe that all things work out together for the good of those that love him? Do we really believe what Joseph said and what God, what, what the enemy meant for evil, what others may have meant for evil? Maybe somebody did you wrong, what they meant for evil, that God can turn it into something good. Do we really believe that? But we have to fight through discouragement. If we find ourselves in those discouraging times, we need to evaluate. Is God putting his hand on something? Is it just a hard season? Other times it might be disobedient and, uh, disobedience on our part and he puts his hand of correction there and says, I want you to make this right. Are we right with God in our relationship with him? Are we right with God in our relationships with others? And that leads to lesson five. Courageously obey what God is telling you. Courageously obey what God is telling you. Again, God didn't answer Gideon's questions of why did this happen? You know, where are the signs and wonders of, of, of the old days? God had already spoken and he put his hand on something. And now he's saying, now you need to live courageously and you need to obey what I'm telling you to do. So my question to all of us is, what has God told you to do? You know, a lot of us, we know, most of us know what God is speaking to us about, I mean, you know, in certain situations. We're praying sometimes, and if you're like me, let me just throw myself in there. You're, you're, sometimes we pray and ask God for that. Man, just show me something, what you want me to do. And God says, I, I already told you what to do. You know what you're supposed to do. Well, if you could just hold my hand and walk me through it, would that be? I'm asking you to obey. And a lot of us, we know what God's telling us to do. 
We just have to courageously obey. It may be a bigger issue or maybe not such a big issue. Again, small acts of obedience are courageous. It's the key to going above and beyond is to obey what he's telling us to do. You know, later on, Gideon, it's funny because Gideon has the angel of the Lord, he, you know, the, and I'm not going to read this text, but the angel of the Lord is telling him what he's going to do and you're going to rescue him. He said, okay, if this is going to happen, and, and this is where we find that fleece, you know, where he puts the fleece before God. You know, one time it's where the ground has got dew and the fleece is dry, and then he goes, well, great, thank you for doing that. If we could do the next day where the ground is dry and the fleece is filled with moisture. A lot of us take those sometimes and we, and we will put fleeces out before God, and I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing, but we don't have Gideon, no one's patting him on the back saying that was great. You still have some fear there. You still have some doubt, some confusion why he's doing that. The Lord had already spoken. And sometimes that we want to put out those so-called fleeces before the Lord. Lord, if you have us do that, please speak, because I, I want to be obedient. And, a lot, and the Lord knows our hearts. Sometimes we, we just want to be obedient before him, and we're making the right decision. So there, there are fleece issues. But you know what? There's also not fleece issues. Lord, would, would you want me to cheat on my taxes? I just need you to speak to me if that's right or not. No, that's a non-fleece issue. Are we all on the same page here? <laughs> I don't think you have to ask the Lord to do that. But is there something that he is, has been speaking to you or he's currently speaking to you? Is it an integrity or a character issue that you need to obey? And you know he's put his finger on it. You know, I, I, if you, you know it's there. Is it a relationship issue that you need to make right? Is it a marital issue? Is it a family issue? Is it a financial issue that you need to make right and that you need to do these things God's way? Because again, when we, if we're out from underneath God's covering and we're doing things what is right in our own eyes and then we're out here and we have some of these messes it's really going to be hard to understand if you're not underneath God's authority. And we have to bring these things back underneath God's authority. God, how would you want me to do this? And I come back underneath your covering. Is it a serving issue? Has he put on your heart to reach out to someone? And you know that you, have, you're, you were supposed to reach out to them a long time ago, and you just haven't. Be obedient. Be courageous. Live day to day in obedience to Him. And you know what? Life is an adventure with God. It really is. So then verses 14 through 16, I'm going to wind down with this, but the Lord commissions him for the mission at hand. So the Lord tells him, you know, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And uh, then Gideon, you know, goes into, you know, the why. Well, well you know, if the Lord is with us, then why? And, the, and you know, the, the angel of the Lord doesn't give him the explanation because there has been disobedience and he needs to just courageously obey. But then he says, the, the angel of the Lord just says, go in the strength that you have to rescue. And so here's another thing that Gideon deals with. You would think that at this point, Gideon would have it. And the revelation, you know, the dime drops and you're ready to go. And then Gideon goes into excuses. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, because Gideon, uh, Gideon sees himself in the place of fear. 
Then he says, well, my, you know, my clan is the weakest, and uh, I'm the least in my family. I'm kind of the runt. I wouldn't pick me. You know, Lord, you know, during kickball, I was always the last kid picked. You know, there were like really skinny girls that were picked before me. I don't know if you realize who you're talking to, but I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the runt. I don't, I don't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not the warrior type. I think that you have got me confused with someone else. He goes into excuses. My clan's the weakest. I'm the least in my family. Well, the angel of the Lord says, wait a second, I will be with you. So lesson six is stop making excuses of why you can't or won't do something for God and simply make yourself available to him. Stop making excuses of why you can't or won't do something for God and simply make yourself available to him. God's looking for our availability to him. If God was looking for ability, none of us would be chosen. He would just take his, all of his angels and say, you know what, those human beings, I don't know what they're doing down there. You guys, go. He's got thousands upon thousands of angels that could do a way better job than we could. And that's a part of his sovereignty is that he is working with broken humanity and he says, will you make yourself available to me? Gideon, I understand. It's not like that the angel was going, really? I didn't know that you were the weakest in your, your, your clan. Really? The, the clan is the smallest. I, I just wasn't aware of that. God knew what he was doing. God picked someone that no one would else, else would pick. That's how Jesus picked the disciples. It would be no, no one that we would pick. And God looks beyond this guy's his excuses. He looks beyond. He said, there's something in your heart that is courageous. You may not even see it right now, but I see who I've made you to be. And if you will just make yourself available to me, you're going to see great and mighty things. Make yourself available to God. I'm too old. Well, tell that to Caleb. We've got biblical, we got, I got a biblical example for every excuse that you have. I love Caleb. Caleb was 85 years old. Can you imagine, all right, all the other, the, the generation that was with Caleb, all the older folks, they, did, they missed out on the promised land. You guys know the story. You know, they get out there, they're wandering around and around, you know, around the mountain. She goes, I mean, and they're going around and around. And it was really about a two-week journey by foot. And God said, until you are willing to do things my way, you're not going to enter into the promised land. And so we have this whole generation that's out there. And they complained and grumbled against God, complained and grumbled against Moses, complained and grumbled against God some more, complained against, and they And God says, all right, that's enough. They will not inherit. They will not inherit the promises I have for them. And it'll be the younger generation with two exceptions, Joshua and Caleb. And then we have the story. They come into the promised land. And remember Caleb, he's 85 years old. And he goes up to Joshua and he said, I just wanted to remind you on something because when we came in as spies and I, I was one of the ones that we believed that we could take this land, there's that hill country up there and uh, that was given to me. Um, I'm ready to take that. And uh, Joshua's like, go for it. But what I love is, can you imagine going in, here's Caleb in the promised land. He's got all these 20-somethings. You know, it's the younger generation. He's running alongside with them, taking the hill country. And he was not done with what God had for him. There was still more land to be conquered. At 85 years old, are you too old? Absolutely not. You don't retire from the kingdom. God has so much for you. You're not too old. 
run alongside the young whippersnappers and take the land. You can quote me on that. <laughs> I'm too young. Just wait till I get to the right age. Well, let's talk to Jeremiah about that. Jeremiah called at a very young age. You will be a prophet. And here's Jeremiah. I am too young. And here's what God's response is to that. Don't say that. And when God says don't say that, that's probably a good idea not to say it. Don't use that excuse, Jeremiah. I will, I will speak my word into you, and you will be a prophet to the nations. Do not use the excuse that you're too young. Timothy, what Paul told Timothy, don't let one, anyone despise you because you're young, but be an example of purity to the people, of a life of purity. You might say, well, I'm unqualified. I don't, you know, I don't know this, the Bible that well, and I don't... Well, let's talk to Peter and John. In the New Testament, when, when these guys were out sharing the gospel, it says that the, the Pharisees, the biblical scholars of the day, they were astonished because these men were untrained and un uneducated. Yet they had the Spirit of Christ in them, and they were boldly declaring what God had told them to say. Untrained and uneducated. And it says this, that but they recognized they had been, that, that they had been with Jesus. I don't speak well. Talk to Moses about that. I'm an introvert. Talk to Gideon. I have a horrible past. Talk to David. Because folks, welcome to the company of the saints of the Word of God. Don't make excuses of why you can't or won't do something for God. Just make yourself available to Him. He can heal the past. He can remove the shame and condemnation of the past. He can take your introvertedness and do something marvelous in the kingdom. He's not going to try to make you something you're not. He created you uniquely you, and he's going to take your availability, and he's going to build the kingdom with it. So God is looking for those who will make themselves available to him, to trust him and obey him with courage. I'm going to have the worship team come up. This is to be continued till next week. I hope you can come. Invite someone. But we're going to close our time with a time of communion. But I want to ask you today, what is God speaking to you? Maybe God's put his hand on something during this sermon and Maybe one of these lessons from Gideon's life and God's maybe pinpointing something and you know what, today is an awesome day to get before the Lord, to make things right with God. Have you been out from underneath God's covering? Have you been living your life how you want to live it instead of surrender to Him? Are you doing what is right in your own eyes? Well, today's a day to come back underneath His covering and to humble yourself. Today's a day to listen to God. Today's a day to start seeing God, or seeing yourself as God sees you, seeing from His lens. Today might be a day that you have to fight through discouragement, or maybe obey what He's telling you to do, and you already know what He's told you to do. Or maybe today's the day when that excuse hits the floor and says, you know what, I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm going to make myself available to God.
Well, as we receive communion today, and uh, again, the elements are on this side and this side. For you that are on this side of the room, you can uh, partake of those elements, and uh, you guys over here. And so I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about this, and then we're going to close our, officially close our time, and you can come and receive communion as you so feel led. But then the worship team is going to be up here, and we're, we're just going to have a time of worship. And so if you want to get alone with God, this would be a great time to just get into His presence. You can kneel, you can sit in one of the front rows, you can go back to your seat and just kind of be in the presence of God. We're just going to make this place a place for His presence. Um, some of the leaders, um, if you guys want to help me, if, if you would like specific prayer for something, we would love to pray for you, minister to you. So if I could have some of our leaders up here just making themselves available to, to you if you'd like specific prayer for something. But again, this place is just going to be open to just get alone with God and to just get things right with Him, talk to Him. And again, if He's putting His hand on something, to just be obedient, to be courageously obedient. Yeah, Doug. good. Let's just bow our heads and pray. And David, you can bring those lights down if you want. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we just do declare today it's all about you. We honor you today. And Lord, we want to meet with you. We want you to meet with us. And the way we do communion here, if you're not familiar uh, to receive the Lord's Supper, um, we have an open communion. The only thing we ask is that you are a believer in Jesus, that you have surrendered your heart to him, that you um, are a Christ follower. And with that said, there's never any time where there should be an obligation for you to take communion. It's not anything that you are forced to do. It's just that you take it in remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just want to say thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, God, that... You sent Jesus to, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And Lord, today we know that our freedom and uh, our salvation and our courage and all of that is found at the cross of Christ, that we find life in you. And Lord, as we today take the elements of the bread and this, the juice that represents your body and your blood, Lord, we don't ever want to forget the precious price that was paid for us. So from 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says this. He said, I, I pass on to you what, what I was given by the Lord himself, that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he raised it to heaven and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. Remember me. Remember the sacrifice. Don't ever forget the sacrifice. And they took the bread and they ate it. And 
Then he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. This cup is, my, is the blood that would be shed for you that we don't have forgiveness of sins unless there was blood shed and Jesus shed his blood. And he said, as often as you drink this cup, it's to symbolize me, is to never forget me. Remember me. Remember the sacrifice. Remember how precious the sacrifice is and remember how precious you are because that was the payment made for you and me. So Lord, we receive the bread and the cup today with gladness, with joy. Lord, saying we can't save ourselves and we trust you and we trust your sacrifice. So Lord, as we eat it and as we drink, may we never forget you. Lord, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go into a time of worship. Feel free to come and take communion as you so feel led. And uh, you can go as you feel led. There won't be an official dismissal. But if you want to get alone with God, please do that. And uh, leaders come up. And if we can pray for you about something, we'd love to do that as well.